This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. This podcast is Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard, commonly known as the world's most handsome strategist and professional speaker. I'm also a superhero. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single Shareable episode. And that's it. That's the intro. Short and sweet. Let's get to the show. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Shareable. Uh, For this week, I have actually imprisoned Jeff Gibbard. I have tied him into the corner. He is not free to do anything other than use his mouth. His hands are limited because today I am the mofo host of Shareable. That's right, people. It is in my hands and Jeff Gibbard is at my mercy. So for any of you who have listened to the show and who might have fantasized about what might it be like to have Jeff Gibbard in your hands and at your mercy, today, you're going to find out. There will be nothing more shareable than this. So uh, welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Um, if you get a moment, could you just loosen up these can, the, these restraints just a little bit? They're a little tight. No, I'm sorry. You you have use of your mouth, and that's all you get because otherwise you're going to be pushing buttons and trying to take over the mic and all that kind of stuff, and I just cannot have it. And I besides, see. it's fun. It's a, there's a little fantasy thing going on for me, so I'm going to go with that um, because you're a pretty powerful dude. You have a lot of personal power, but it is all mine today. It's mine. You are at my mercy. Um, so anybody who's getting off on this already is going to enjoy today's episode um, because Jeff did invite me to ask him anything. And, you know, I I want to make sure that I'm respectful of this because he was incredibly respectful of me when we were on this show together not that long ago. Um, so uh, I'm going to dig a little deeper into the Superhero Institute, and what does that really mean? And how does that manifest? And then we're going to see where this goes. So uh, everybody buckle up, because it's going to be a ride. Uh, Mr. Gibbard, my first question for you is, in comic books, people wear their superhero costumes to hide their true identity. It's a mask, it's a thing, and usually not very well hidden, but you know what I mean, okay? So this messes with the whole reveal who you really are paradigm, which I know you and I respect so much. So let's discuss that. That is an excellent question and a great place for us to play. So on the on the face of it, I would say on the one hand, the question is, who is the real person? The person in the mask, the person behind the mask. So when I think of, um, you know, a, a character like Spider-Man, you know, they're behind, you know, the whole uh, spandex suit thing. But is that person really Peter Parker or is that person Spider-Man? Because you have to look at where they put their priorities and what they do with their life and all those different things. So the question is, what is the real identity? So that's a whole path we could go down. But beyond that, I, I think your point that that you're trying to make here is around, um, you know, the authenticity of like, who are you? Who are you revealing to the world? If you put yourself behind a mask metaphorically or otherwise, um, are you really showing your true self? And it's just a really interesting place to play. I don't exactly know the answer to it, um, but I will say that when you look at the superheroes in in different comic book movies or in comic books who 
are open and reveal their identity. Like everybody knows that Steve Rogers is Captain America. Everybody knows that Tony Stark is Iron Man. Um, you know, you could argue that Superman and Clark Kent, the, the glasses aren't exact. Yeah, there like, was, it didn't really hide much, but people like were just yeah. dumber apparently back in those days. Apparently. They, you know, yeah. Ooh, glasses. You look like, you know who you look like? Yeah. Um, so, okay. So we'll put that one to the side, but I, I guess um, I would look at those superheroes and say they seem to be willing more to not hide and, and present themselves to the world as they are um, without hiding behind a mask. So, um, Here's here's a here's a question that I'll toss back to you about that because this has really got me thinking. It's an excellent question. I tend to think about the mask not as protecting the hero behind the mask, but protecting the people around that hero. So when I think of Spider-Man, the reason that he doesn't wear the mask is because he's worried about Aunt May and he's worried about Mary Jane or he's worried about Gwen Stacy. He's worried about the people that he cares about in his life and knowing that his choices to use his great power uh, with you know great responsibility is putting those he loves in danger with the enemies that he'll make. And mm. I don't know if he would necessarily wear that mask if he didn't have anyone around him. And if he didn't have anyone around him, would he choose to be a hero? Would he be so lonely that he wouldn't make those sort of choices because he didn't have, he wouldn't have connection to other people. Well, how do you explain Bruce Wayne then? Because Bruce Wayne didn't really have people that he was, that's the, that was, that's the whole ethos of Bruce Wayne is that he was this lone wolf. He was by himself. He was a man unto him. He was an island yeah. and had no one, you know, except for Alfred, but, yeah. but still, you know, Alfred was hidden back in the catacombs of the big mansion. So, so I, I get what you're saying. I get that, that in the superhero world, that wearing the mask can be as a, you know, as a way to protect other, other people. But I still think there is something, there is some, if we wanted to go into the psychology of this, that there's something about, I cannot be fully realized. I cannot be my full self and still somehow be accepted for being all of those things. And so I'm going to hide something essential about myself so that I can be accepted and revered because you could be, you know, Bruce Wayne or, you know, uh, Peter Parker and trip down the stairs and somebody catches it on, you know, on, on social. And then if people knew you were Superman or Batman, your rep could be ruined so that you have to keep these two things separate so that you can protect each one in its own regard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what it makes me think about is, um, like putting superheroes to the side for a moment, think about like celebrities, right? Like mm -hmm. part of, one of the things about being a celebrity is that you often lose your private life or at least you lose your private life in public, right? So like if Justin Bieber goes out and he just wants to get a coffee, there's a paparazzi there. There's somebody in line at Starbucks that uh, wants to like take his picture and like he doesn't get to retreat to that space. So keeping the anonymity behind the mask, I think in some cases would allow a superhero to retain some distance between the abilities that people would know them for and the notoriety they would get and the fame and all of that, and at least have a place to retreat to for their, maybe for their own mental health. I'm thinking like, you know, if, you know, if, if there were actual superheroes in this world, um, like, like, I mean, in the, in the comic book sense, um, you know, meta human ability type things, I think a lot of them would probably want to hide behind masks, not just because it's, <clears throat> kind of tradition at this point, but I think also because they would want to be able to go out in public and not be 
uh, you know, potentially put in additional danger or potentially harass from different fans. They want to have a quote unquote normal life. And I think when you are so far removed in your abilities that you cease to be seen as a normal person, then maybe you kind of crave that ability to connect with other people as a normal person. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, okay. So here's the thing, right? So as the author of swagger, unleash everything you are and become everything you want, which is where I come from in this, right? That's my mindset. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm driven by all things swagger. Um, if we take it now to the common, the common, the average person, the regular Joe, Jody, them, they, he, she in the world. And we, and we look at the the superpowers that we have as as human beings, not the not the super superpowers, but the real human superpowers that we have. What do you think happens when we wear our superhero costume on the outside? I love that you asked that. And, and I don't know if you knew this, but on my website, I actually say I wear my superhero costume on the outside, not on the inside. Mm -hmm. so I don't know if that was a plant, but that was well placed. Um, <laughs> I mean, I personally believe we should all be wearing our superhero costumes on the outside, um, and we should do that primarily because um, I believe we should live in a world where people are free to be who they are, right? And if you have an, a, a, a big personality, you should rock that. If you um, are someone who likes to keep to themselves, you should be able to rock that. Um, if you're somebody who does something really well, you should be able to put that out there. And I think we should all be willing and uh, generous enough to give our gifts to other people. Um, in service of a better world. That's my worldview, right? So I wear my superhero costume on the outside. So I show up to meetings and I've got on a Captain America shirt or I've got on, you know, an Iron Man shirt or a Spider-Man shirt. And I'm not gonna show up in a suit. The only suit I would show up in is a super suit because that's what I like. And it doesn't impact the value that I get to bring from inside of me. So I can still write a strategy just as well if I'm wearing a suit or if I'm wearing a superhero shirt. In fact, I'll probably write it better if I'm in my superhero shirt because I feel more like me. I feel more comfortable. I feel more free and able to think the way that I need to think because I'm not trying to pretend also to be something else that I'm not. So, so yeah, I, so I, I hope that addresses kind of like where you're where you were going with it. But I think people should wear their superhero suits on the outside. Okay, so I, I agree 100%. And I'm someone who wears my superhero costume on the outside as well. Nobody is in any doubt of, of what they're dealing with when they meet me. They go, as yeah. all of that. They got all of that for reals, right? Um, I don't have a mild-mannered alter ego. There is just one all of this. So you you just alluded to it with your Spider-Man t-shirt and your superhero t-shirt and all that kind of stuff. But I want you to now custom create your own superhero costume that manifests Jeff Gibbard, a hundred percent. What would it look like? So it, it it can't be something that already exists that I'm piecing together from all of my stuff. No. I like, okay. So, yeah. okay. Original baby. You got to be original for this. Okay, cool. If, if it's like Jeff's going to feel his most amazing self. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to build it completely from the ground up. Okay, go, go. One, I'm wearing bright red boxer briefs. They're okay. They have super tight, super tight. Not super. I mean, they're 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 snug. I want to feel <laughs> nice. You want to have a little movement, yeah, a like little a little jiggle. My gut in, you know. But um, yeah. so I'd probably rock that. I would probably underneath of that be wearing um, high, bright matching bright red socks. So like the like the athletic socks that come up nice and high. Okay. So 
feel them hugging my leg all day. And it would just remind me like, yo, swagger it, baby. Uh, I'm probably wearing a pair of jeans and I'm probably wearing a, a pair of like stretchy jeans. Like um, I just found this uh, company recently. It makes, because they're kind of like sweatpants, but they're also, they look like jeans. So it's sort of like a little bit of my own costume where it's like, it looks like I'm wearing jeans and I'm like, haha, suckers, they're sweatpants. <laughs> So I'm really into the jeans that have enough stretch. So also if my weight fluctuates, I don't have to feel. Are you sure? Are you sure? Have you checked with other people that they're not going, he thinks he's wearing jeans, but he's really wearing sweatpants. Have you just just checked? It's legit. 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 Okay. Give him a plug. Who are they? Uh, perfect jeans, uh, NYC. It's like perfect jeans.nyc is like the company. They targeted me with an Instagram ad and they (laughs) they claims. And I was like, nonsense. And I was like, all right, you know, I need a pair of jeans because all my jeans were getting holes in them. I used to wear lucky jeans because on the inside by the, the zipper fly, it says lucky you. And I was like, that is so badass. <laughs> so I, I ordered a pair and I put them on and I was like, I might've been like three seconds into them. And I was like, I'm buying two more pairs immediately. That's how good. I think we may have found a new sponsor for, for shareable. Just saying. Hold on, let them sponsor because I'm also like a brand loyalist. So when I find something I like, like that's it, you won, you're in, like, unless you screw up, like you're in. Right. So, uh, my, uh, let's go to footwear footwear would probably be, if I could have like anything, if I'm like designing it in my head, they would be Adidas ultra boost, but they would be made by Puma and they would be Ferrari red. Because I wear a lot of uh, Ferrari red Pumas. They actually have a whole Ferrari collection. And I just love that Ferrari red. Uh, So my jeans would probably, now that we're talking about it, would probably be like that really cool dark blue, but not like the darkest dark blue. Anyway, we're getting caught up in too many details. Uh, The t-shirt, the t-shirt would be a, uh, it would probably be a form-fitting shirt. But for some reason in my imagination, I have amazing superhero muscles. So it makes me look like really badass and like super cut. Uh, but it would be, you guessed it, a red t-shirt with my my Jeff Gibbard logo right in the center or the Superhero Institute logo right in the center of it. Mm-hmm. Have like right in the center of it. Uh, or it might be a black shirt actually, because since my logo is right, it would probably be a black shirt with the, the red uh logo right in the middle. Uh, and then I would have a hoodie that would go with it. And the hoodie that would go with it would be basically the same thing, my logo. Um, and it would be uh, probably a zipper hoodie, a black zipper hoodie that would have my logo in the middle. And somehow the zipper would go through, but it still wouldn't show the zipper. And it would it would have like a really bad, badass. Uh, Is that, do you want the hoodie so that you could do like an extra layer of reveal? You could like strip it off and go, here I am, I have arrived. I just hate when just I- Just in case you get chilly. Well, it's in case I get chilly. It's, it's like very practical here. The pullover <laughs> hoodies always make like my shirt come off and then I'm exposing my belly to the world. And like, I don't want to do that. I just find zipper hoodies more practical. So I tend to prefer, I'm wearing a pullover today, but um, yeah, I'm very much like a hoodies and jeans kind of guy. So that would be it. And it would be, if, if I wasn't wearing a superhero shirt of another superhero, like, you know, Spider-Man, uh, Iron Man, Hulk, whatever, uh, I would be wearing my own superhero shirt, which is basically what I wear when it's laundry and I don't have superhero shirts to wear or I just feel like wearing my own. Well, I think you should probably rock your own more because then other people are going to want to wa- rock that shirt. I think I think it needs to be a whole thing. You yeah, need I have a whole merch superhero store. swag. Yeah. There's a whole Come merch store. And then I have my own store that's just for the Jay Gibbard stuff. So it's like my own logo. And here's a fun little fact that not a lot of people know. I have like four variations on my logo. They're just different color patterns. And the difference between them is one is my hero shirt. One is my mild-mannered shirt. One is my anti-hero shirt and one is my villain shirt. So you can actually tell the mood I'm in based upon which one I'm wearing. 
All right, what drives those decisions? You said mood, but is it who you're going to meet, who you're hanging with, how you're feeling, what you want the other person to get? What do the different things actually represent for you? It's it's purely how I'm feeling. So it's like a mood ring of sorts. Like when I'm wearing my villain shirt, like I'm not in a good headspace. So it, um, I, I wear clothing and one day I'd like to get a tattoo for this, but like very much they're, um, they're kind of, reminders for me. They're like, um, uh, I don't want to say frameworks. That's not the right word. It's like, it's a thing to, it's like a token to remind me of things, right? Like I like, like almost like a mantra, right? So when I have my villain shirt on, it reminds me, like it, it allows me to kind of feel deeper that I'm feeling in some kind of way. And it gives me a little bit, instead of like trying to pretend that like I'm having a great day and look, here's me as a superhero. I'm like, I'm feeling like a villain today, not feeling great. Reminds me to be honest about that and just say, like, I'm not in the headspace today to be, like, really great with with the strategies and this and that. I just kind of need some space, and I'll get back to you when I'm feeling better. Well, we also know that the, 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 the villains tend to come from a deep emotional place. There's stuff going on there. It's not, it's not they were, they, they're never born out of evil. Yeah. They become evil over time because of the terrible things that have happened to them. So is that what you're manifesting and owning? A hundred percent. And and actually just real quick, that's a, that's a reason why I like Marvel comics more so than I do DC. DC comics, they're villains and they're heroes with the exception of Batman who arguably does fit this. They're all gods. Everybody's a God. Oh. They, their only flaws are God flaws. Like it's nonsense. I you just rolled your eyes. God flaws, whatever God flaws. Nonsense, right? Like um, even the gods in Marvel uh, comics are, are much more deeply flawed. Like they are, they are given a much more complex way of looking at the world. And, and I'm glad you pointed that out. I think villains really are just fallen heroes. I think heroes are just villains that make better choices and have maybe a better circumstance around them that maybe make it easier for them to step into doing the right thing. There's I, I like, so for me, I, I'm, I love people. I want a better world. I'm very friendly with most people, but there is a deep, deep darkness inside of me that is a supervillain, but it's very small and mm. I don't let it out. And I try to uh, direct it in more healthy ways and and transform it into ways that are productive rather than letting that, that you know, anger out. I try to transform it into something useful. It doesn't always work, but I definitely know that there's that there. And I think for people who... Um, are in that kind of like villain category. I think they're they're hurt. There are things that are wrong that are stopping them from being empathetic or being compassionate or any of that stuff. So I, well, I really agree with that. I remember, you know, when I when I left my job as an advertising creative director and I started my training company, the the words that I spoke to my husband were, "I feel like I'm using my superpowers for evil instead of good," and I was very aware that of how much personal power I have because I got plenty yep. and I can make choices with what I did with it. And boy, like you don't want me as an enemy, let me tell you, because I got a lot. I mean, I got a lot. And if if I need to, if I need to protect the people that I love, or if if you are a heinous human and have done something terrible, um, I will probably just put an X over you, but, but it's going to hurt on the way out for you. That's, yep. that's kind of how I approach it. And my people who know me have, have often said, it is a good thing that you are an incredibly good person because you can make mincemeat out of most people if you chose to. So I'm very much about choosing to use my my superheroes, superpowers for good as opposed to, to evil. But this, this, where we're going is the perfect segue into the intersection between swagger and superhero.
because we know that the that the the definition of swagger the real definition my definition is the ability to manifest who you really are and hold on to it in the face of all of that psychological crap that's going to come for it regardless of situation or environment so it requires you to have one face all the time you don't get to hide behind something you don't get to deflect or to have your own space or whatever you've got to be all out there for people to see to like to accept to not accept to criticize all of those things it's a full package so so talk to me about this notion about what it is that you're trying to bring into the world through the superhand institute and what the intersection is with swagger uh so what's really interesting is if the way that i interpret your whole thing on swagger is i always include in it that there's um this very like noble uh subtext that's unspoken that like you're letting it all out because you want to make the world a better place, right? Like, cause mm -hmm. like you, you could swagger around like a complete jerk all the time, right? Like you could let you, but could that wouldn't be swagger. That would be assholing. We call it assholing or arroganting or peacocking or whatever. Yeah. I, I guess there's, there has to be an authentic jerk out there somewhere, right? That's well, fair enough. If you're really authentically an asshole, go for it. Yeah. But, uh, who's to say, I, you know, I guess just I, part of me is like, I, the, the superhero institute and like the whole thing around is like, I want to encourage people to always look for their better side, to always be looking because every one of us has that dark side. We have something that could go horribly wrong and we could turn it this whole weekend. Actually, I was, um, I was going through like Enneagram stuff, which is like super fascinating to me. Like I'll take any personality test and learn more about myself. And I think self-introspection is like the, the key to unlocking swagger in the first place, because it's only when you stop lying to yourself about why you do things or where it comes from or anything that you can really get in touch with why you do it in the first place. Right. So I spent a lot of the weekend going through that stuff. And, um, you know, I see a lot of things and patterns in my type and the way that I am and where things come from that could easily manifest themselves in really, you know, dark or terrible places. But I work really, really hard to look for ways to grow and get better. And mm -hmm. I think the idea behind the superhero Institute for me is saying that everybody has the opportunity to do that, to, to, have an idea in mind of who they want to become and then take the steps to start getting there and to provide themselves with their own guardrails so that they can become a hero. Like the, the whole process that I've laid out and the, the thing that I'm putting together called the path of the hero is an entire training program that I'm going to be building out that um, is very similar to uh, Donald Miller has this whole business made simple thing where he's got like coaches and the story brand stuff. And he's got, you know, certified coaches. I want to build out a program where I encourage people to like become certified as a superhero Institute coach or, or, you know, facilitator or whatever that helps people to walk through the steps to becoming heroes. And it starts with recognizing the superpowers that you have and then becoming superhuman where you can acquire and adopt many, many more superpowers. And then you have the code to keep you in check, right? So um, I, I think in terms of the, the letting out who you really are, again, when I interpret, when you're talking about that, and when I see where it overlaps with the Superhero Institute, it's that I want to say who you really are is great and you should be discovering it. You should be looking at yourself and I want you to be authentic and be free, but I also want you to consider how you can constantly improve that and how you can use that for the greater good, mm. leaving behind yeah. a mm. legacy and leaving behind a better world than you came into. Yeah. I saw this clip recently of Kevin Hart where he was like, your job is to leave 
a better world behind than you came in with. And legacy, baby, legacy work. Legacy That's work. everything. On our first show, right? Like, yeah. Because what <clears throat> else is there? I mean, maybe that's my blind spot, right? Is like on, when I did my the Enneagram thing, I'm a 20 out of 20 on self-improvement. So I'm just obsessive about it. So mm -hmm. I get it. maybe that's me. Maybe that's not for everybody. But that's kind of the philosophy that kind of guides the Superhero Institute is this idea of like, if you want to leave a legacy behind and make the world a better place, here are the tools to do it. I don't care what you do with it or how you think about that. Mm -hmm. I have my opinions on it, but like, you do you, boo-boo. You know, so like mm -hmm. find, your, find your way that you can self-improve and become a hero. Yeah, that's that is very in keeping with the swagger mandate because it's it's completely unique to each individual. There is no one way to unleash your swagger. There is no one one message. There's no one truth. It's all about intention. It's all it's you know, if you intentionally want to be an asshole, bad things are going to happen to you. That's it. Sorry, sucker. You know, so I, it's, you know, truth, intention, self-belief, and you got to have those three things together. But you're talking about training, which I, you know, I actually had a training question here for you next. We both come from a training, a training background. So how do you go about building experiences for your clients? Is there a methodology? Do you have a do you work backwards from outcomes? Do you have a big picture and then get into the details? How do you how do you craft those training experiences for your clients? It's a great, great question. And I, I'm going to tell you and then I need you. I need you to tell me how you do it. Because, okay. Okay. Um, because I don't know if I'm doing it right. And I, okay. I also don't believe that there is a right. So let me just say that. But like, here's how I do it. I'm a very process oriented thinker. I am, um, you know, I've been in the world of strategy for the last like 12 years of my life-ish, something like that. I've forget the exact number, but I've been doing strategy a long time. I live and breathe in the world of strategy, solving problems, identifying how to, you know, creatively think around things that are happening. And I love sequentially thinking about how to get from point A to point B. It's something that I do naturally. It's something I'm obsessive about. But what I've noticed is that any of my training, I have that in the background, but I throw it all out the window and I just meet people where they are. Mm. And that's where the training tends to go is, no matter how good my sequence is, how good my plan is, how good the modules are and like how things fit together perfectly like puzzle pieces, where somebody is coming from, whether that be just emotionally, how they relate to the subject we're talking about, um, you know, whether mentally they can grasp a particular concept, maybe there's something that's very difficult for them to get um, or, or, or maybe just, you know, physically they're not feeling a certain way and they can't, they can't be into it, whatever it is, like whatever somebody is experiencing is going to guide my training with them. So I often at the beginning of any coaching relationship I have will put together an entire curriculum because I like I can't help myself. I'm like, here's the whole program. Here's our strategy. You want to get to here. Here are the 15 steps that we're going to go through. And these are going to be the number of sessions, whatever, because I think that gives people a feeling of certainty and they feel good about that. And it makes me feel good. I know what we're doing. Awesome. Session one comes around. Tangent. All out the window. Yeah, All yeah. Out the window. They want to talk about this or that. And like, I want to be there with them for that. I want to, I want to go through whatever it is that they need to go through so we can continually kind of come back to the curriculum and walk through it. Yeah, that's that can be very challenging when you've got a room of 20 people though. Because oh. everybody, everybody is at a different place and a different thing. And you have to be, I mean, I love that you're mindful of that because that is absolutely key. One of the one of the the things, the the sort of the assessments that I put any anything that i've created the question i ask is can anyone come into this where they already are and progress 
because that's going to dictate, for example, when your client says, well, who should be in the room for that? Mm -hmm. And you may have things where you say, actually, it's better if you have people who are, you know, at this at this stage in terms of their experience, or sometimes it's better, no, mix it up because they're going to learn from each other. That's going to be amazing or, 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 and you have to know your experiences well enough and understand, you know, human beings and human behavior enough to be able to, uh, to know what what that mindset is going to be in in that room so to say don't combine people for this one or do or all levels or not all levels and that's that's part of what the expectation is do you so i i know it's like you're on the one hand system process and on the other thing and then the other thing is you trust your instincts so 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 well because you're so freaking smart and sharp so you're you're you trust that your instincts are going to guide you in this do you do you say to yourself when people leave the room i want them to think feel believe and be able to do x or do you say um i want their experience in this room to be y does one drive the other so also let me just i'll answer that question but let me just backtrack real quick when you asked the first question i immediately went to one-on-one -on -one coaching in my head because yeah. um that's that's my that's more your jam yeah well, yeah, I'm very much about like, if you catch me in a networking event, like if there could be a thousand people in there, I'm in a corner talking to one person mm -hmm. and know them and go real deep with them. Yeah. In terms of group training, I think about it in almost an entirely different way. Mm. What I will say is that about the concepts that I'm typically training on now, if you go back to my social media days where like I was a social media trainer, it was a different kind of thing. But now what I'm dealing with is what I would consider very universal topics, right? So I don't care who's in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, Every different person from every walk of life is going to get something different about being in the room when we're talking through superhuman training, like mm -hmm. we're talking about getting to that next level and acquiring those skills. Everybody's going to come with something different and they're going to take away something different to your question of what do I want to get out of those sessions with people? Um, my ultimate goal is always transformation. And I realize that there's two different ways that that can happen for people based upon who they are. Some people are transformed by the experience of something, and some people are transformed by the information that's provided to them. What's nice is, is that I tend to approach everything with, I'm going to give you both. So you're never not going to get like an info dump from me because mm -hmm. that's part and parcel of like the way that I'm wired is if I know about a thing. I am itching to tell you everything I know about that thing. And mm -hmm. I will give it to you in 15 minutes. I will, I will give you, if I knew world history, I would take you from like the dawn of man to like today in 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, that's just how I operate. I'll just dump it on you. But at the same time, I'm mindful throughout that process that I have to read people's signs. I have to see how they're taking this information. And if there's something that they're particularly interested in, I want to go further down that path. Well, so, we know that it's not about it's not about how smart you are or how much knowledge or you know how about how much expertise you have on the subject matter. It's it's about the ability to make them aware that there just might be a gap in their knowledge, then show them that getting that gap filled is easy, and then making them feel really good about the fact that they filled the gap. And yeah. doing that over and over and over again in these little clever bite-sized ways so they don't see you coming. Yeah. So that they never see that that's what you're doing with them. But it's like, 
here's a little exercise that looks really banal on the surface, but that highlights that they don't have an essential piece of knowledge. And you go, oh, that's bad, right? We don't want to do that. Okay, so here's here's the, the gap that you had. Here's some knowledge. Okay, now we're going to do another exercise or we're going to do it a different way. Was it better or easier? And everyone goes, yes. And you go, right? Okay. So now they have accepted the piece of, of knowledge as something that is useful to them. But you have to do that progressively so that every time you do that, you are building their confidence because you're building their competence so that you can keep loading them with more, right? As opposed to like spraying a whole bunch of stuff, you have to do it really incrementally and really make them feel like they can, I got this, I can handle it, give me more, give me more. And by the end, you do something real clever that ties everything you've taught them into some beautiful bow where they have this mind-blowing aha for themselves. They go, oh shit, I get it. That is what is transformational. That's the best way to do it. And it's hard when you're smart. It's hard when you have so much love and so much knowledge that you want to share because you want to, you know how much how much less pain they're going to be in if they if they know more and you just want to like puke it all over them. But yeah. it just does never works. Well, let me I'll lay you in on a little secret. And this is going to be super interesting for our uh, conversations coming up in a little bit later today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually have a uh, an alter ego for my stage uh oh like sasha fierce uh like who sasha fierce who was beyonce's alter ego oh oh dude i did not know that yeah Uh, so um so i i've developed a number of different um sort of like superhero alter egos that i why does this not surprise me it doesn't surprise you but um so when i do training and when i do speaking engagements um, it's interesting that you, you, when you laid that out, I started thinking actually the way that I do it is I want to paint a picture for people about a completely different way of seeing the world and about like, I'm really trying to get them to think about legacy and about doing like things that are way bigger than what they came in for in terms of a training. Like they're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to learn a few skills. I want to contextualize that into the largest possible container, Right. So what so I is it like? A, imagine imagine a world in which you could, or imagine the world you yeah, create if you could. Or so so here's here's my alter ego. My alter ego on stage and in training is Magneto. Magneto is an X Men uh, villain, uh, air quote. You know, um, but for the listeners that don't, uh, and he's complicated, and he has the ability to manipulate magnetic fields and essentially control like magnetic like metal that is a, you know magnetized, uh, or that can be manipulated through mag. Uh, magnets. So my idea behind that is two things. One, I want to be magnetic. I want to draw people in and I want to control their attention when they are in the room with me. I want their eyes fixated on me. I don't want them to, I don't want them to think about missing a moment of it because they want to catch every little morsel of it. Mm -hmm. So for that reason, it makes me temper the amount of information I'm stepping out to them. And I nest things more in the frame of narratives and in terms of context. And I like to give them frameworks rather than information because it's easier to remember and it's easier to walk away with. Then the second piece of being Magneto is Magneto was the leader of the mutant brotherhood. He was starting a movement. He wanted a movement of mutants who were able to fight for their own right to exist. And I wanted to, I want to create in every room that I'm in a movement of people who are down for the cause that we are about to change shit in the world. So when I go on stage and I do any kind of training, the context is big. I'm trying to start a movement. I want to take you somewhere. I want to be magnetic and keep your attention. And I want to give you the information in such a way that's nested in a story. So I've got your attention and I give you frameworks to walk away with. So it's useful. And when you walk out that door, 
I don't, I don't want you to have been an attendee. I want you to be a freaking disciple. That's what I'm after is like, I'm out for, you know, are you part of the church of change? Are you part of like ready to make a difference and impact in the world and realize that you're not just an average mild mannered person, but you have the capacity within you to do extraordinary things that you never thought possible. That's what I'm after. So if you, if you, if money was no object, you won the lottery, you got money to burn and you were going to open the superhero institute as as a university that people could you know register for and go to who would you want to attend that school um i would definitely want it to be a program first and foremost for people coming out of high school or that are in high school i would want to start it as young as possible and part of the reason is that so much around becoming superhuman is about the the 10,000 hours that you put into things right that you want to be masterful at something, it's generally not going to come easy to you. And if it does, that's like the thing that came easy to you. Mm -hmm. Then everything else you got to work out. There's so many things that people think have come naturally to me that are the, like, if they saw the crap that yeah, I me too. threw to figure out to how to do these things, you know, it, it wasn't easy. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not to say that other parts of my life weren't easy. There's lots of stuff that just comes natural to me. And like, things that were easy for me because of, you know, the circumstances I was born into, but there's plenty of things that I had to work my ass off for. So I would want to start as early as possible. It's what if it was a high school? What if, what if it just took the place of high school? Cause right. then you get them before they're broke. You yeah. get them before the world beats the shit out of them and they're doubting everything that is beautiful about them. And they're, they, you know, it's before they get the proper fucking beat down from the yeah. world. Like you, you see how kids go into there's, there's all of this research done about, for example, creativity. And when you, when you ask different, different people at different stages of their lives, how creative they think they are when they're little, 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 they go like, they have like give themselves a hundred when they get out of high school. Now they're down to like a 70 when they've had their first job, they're down to a 40 when they're 40 years old and they've had a beat down by every corporate job. They think they were 20, but then after they leave the workforce, they go back up to a 70 again. You know, and it's like you want to interrupt that as soon as you possibly can yeah. and, and help people to hold on to that. You've got to, you, got, you know, you got to, my, my dream was uh, to go into the Detroit school system and I wanted to train creative problem solving in the Detroit school system. That's what I used to say to the universe. Universe, pour money from the sky and this is what I'm going to do at the next two years of my life. I'm going to, I'm going to train teachers and I'm going to go in and work with kids and I'm going to set these kids up to be the kind of problem solvers that can change the, the world that they live in that that they're inheriting it's through no fault of their own it's just it's it's a place without a lot of opportunity and it's it's better than it was you know like even five years ago but I, I don't know why that was my that was my kind of dream yeah I I would say that you know in terms of like if it could be a school I would want to rethink what do we mean by school and mm. ideally I would want the entire thing to be online and um, in terms of like, who would it be for? I actually think there's so many. And to your point about like before school breaks them, I actually think one of the, the hugest groups that I would love to, uh, to coach on the entire superhuman process and the whole superhero Institute, like philosophy are parents. I, uh, want, yeah. I want parents and teachers, parents, teachers, like the educational system in general, mm -hmm. thinking about, because it's, it's, it's not necessarily at odds. It's just a way of adapting 
the way that we currently do things. Like I, I see all these memes that are like, good thing that we learned about parallelograms as parallelogram season keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. It's always about, you know, instead of taxes because parallelogram season is coming up. I'm like, that's hilarious. Um, so yeah, there, I guess the point is there's a lot of different groups that I think would benefit from a, a change in a way of thinking and also just mm-hmm. a change in ambition of what we're after. I, I think fundamentally we have a goals problem uh, in the world uh, where we are focused on things that I don't think are going to make us happy. They're not going to make the world a better place. They're mm-hmm. not going uh, to create a more sustainable future and the world that these kids are inheriting. You know, I, I agree. We need to we need to fix that. So that's kind of my take on what I would do if I was ultra wealthy. I would I would train as many people as I can to become superheroes and to make other people superheroes and make the world a better place. Okay, we only have a few minutes left. So I have a few quick questions for okay. you because you, as per usual, you and I can talk for hours and we're going to actually talk for another hour after this. So it's, it's like, it's could just go on forever. Okay, so question one, this is a little rapid fire, a little bit. Okay. Number one, which superhero gets way more cred than they deserve? Who's the crappiest superhero of all time? Those are two different questions. There's oh. getting more credit than they deserve and then there's the crappiest superhero of all okay, time. Okay, so you can answer those as two separate questions then. Okay. Number one, which superhero gets far more credit than they deserve? Batman. I, and I like Batman, <laughs> but like Batman is like, it's, there's just nothing wrong with Batman. Like, of course there's everything that's wrong with Batman, but like, like, <laughs> like Batman can take down Superman. He's got a plan for the entire Justice League. He's unstoppable. There's no gadget he doesn't have. There's no situation he can't get out of. Like Batman is just, they've given him too much. Too the much. Was great. You got the psychological issues. But anyway, I can go down a deep rabbit hole in this. Okay. okay. The, the Crappiest one. superhero of all time. Crappiest superhero of all time. Jeez, that's a tough one. I mean, probably the the cartoon version of Aquaman. Um, <laughs> kind of feel like that's one where you're like, but that's like it's like it's an obvious answer. I don't know. I, it's hard to say. I, Obvious to superhero nerd geek boy, perhaps. I just mean uh, in terms of like the meme of like, who's a stupid, oh, you talk to fish, like family guy made fun of it. So I guess just a, I, I feel like it's a cliche answer to say Aquaman, but like I'm having trouble thinking of another character that I think is like stupider than that. Okay. So you have to answer this quickly. Okay. I will. If you weren't doing what you do now and you couldn't play basketball, what would you be doing? I took away basketball. I knew, I knew. Well, the, do you mean like if I could do anything? Yeah, could do anything. I would, ah, Jesus, that's really hard. Um, I, <laughs> oh, if I could do anything, I would probably, and I wasn't doing what I was doing now, I would probably want to be involved in some way in the lobbying for and also the actual process of eliminating homelessness in this country. If I could be like the CEO of a homeless, uh, like like a, a like there's Project Home, and I and I'm on the board of Pathways to Housing PA. But like anything I could do to get involved with that, not just on like the functional everyday level of getting people off the street, but also to dismantle the systems that allow that to be a thing that happens. I would I would do that if I could do anything. I, yeah, I didn't think that you you, you were going to say like I would be serving ice cream or something. So I, this does not surprise yeah. me. Yeah, I think that's probably what I would do. Okay, uh, final question. Okay. What's the one question you wish someone would ask you, but nobody has? That's really tough because I don't, um, uh, 
despite it being one of the pieces of the superhero code vulnerability, I, I'm not particularly vulnerable. Uh, mm. I don't allow myself to be very often. I'm, I don't generally allow myself to show weakness uh, in any way whatsoever. So typically the questions I would want someone to ask would be things that would show me in the most positive light and that would uh, show me as, you know, larger than life and all of those things, because of course. Um, but by the way, that was very vulnerable to have just answered that question that way, just say it. Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly objective, like about the fact that, like, I have, like, I can talk about all my flaws. It doesn't mean I'm going to change them necessarily. Oh, dude, give me five minutes. I will break you down. You will be in tears. <laughs> you will be talking like it'll be so. We're going to do another episode one day, and it's going to be the Jeff Gibbard gets vulnerable episode, and we'll just spend an hour doing that. And if I don't make you cry, I don't get paid. That's how it's going to work. Uh, uh, like I am right now, I'll be on a couch, right? Yeah. You'll just lie down and I'll just let my, my dulcet tones. Okay. You know? Okay. Then in that case, I'll, I'll share with you this. This is me being like super vulnerable. And then we'll, then we got to run because we have another thing we're going to do for another hour. But yeah. um, I remember early on when I started seeing a therapist after many, many years of not seeing a therapist, I, I had a realization that I got very emotional anytime that I would talk about, um, um, Every, in every super, every good superhero story, they always have like their husband or their wife that steps in and saves them at some point. Mm. Like Spider-Man where like he needs Mary Jane to like step in and save him or Pepper Potts comes and saves Iron Man, right? And I got very emotional anytime I would talk about that. And I would talk about superheroes and I would get very emotional. It's part of the reason why I started this company and why I do what I do. I did a lot of things thinking about it. So I guess the question I would say is, Jeff, why do you get emotional when you think about superheroes? Why is it so meaningful to you and why... Why is it such a big deal when, um, when superheroes need someone else to step in and save them? That's can I can I can I rephrase that question and then ask yeah, it? Sure. What does it mean, Jeffrey, to be saved by someone else? I think it means that you are not one hundred percent strong, and that you have vulnerabilities and weaknesses, and that you need to sometimes rely on other people as terrifying as that might be, that you don't need to, nor can you be in control of every possible situation. Wow. If I had one word to describe the last 40 minutes, I would say they were shareable. Wait, don't leave. If you've never listened to my fancy outro, do it just once for me, please. Okay, if you enjoy shareable, and you find it valuable, there's a few ways that you can support the show. One, you can share it on social media, which I strongly encourage. I mean, it's literally the name of the show. Shareable. Two, you can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're an Overcast user, as many of my listeners are, make sure to click that star button on the episodes that you like. The third way that you can support the show is by blogging about it or discussing it on your own podcast or even by making a YouTube video where you talk about one of the episodes. And then the final way that you can support the show is by supporting it directly on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Now, before I let you go, I want to tell you about one other thing. You see, Shareable is just one of many projects that I'm working on at any given time. I've got another podcast called Rogue. I do a live streaming show every week called The Heroic Council. I've got a blog where I release a blog post twice a week. And if you're looking to keep up with all sorts of different content that can help you grow and become a superhero in life, I want you to check out jeffgibber.me. That's where I list all of my current projects and projects that are coming up in the future, including my forthcoming book, The Lovable Leader. 
It would mean a lot to me if you could go and check out some of the other things I've worked on because I put just as much of my heart into those projects as I do into Shareable. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for being a supporter. And I hope to see you here on the next episode of Shareable.